You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since everybody welcome to the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema we are back are you putting out episodes like it's going out of style baby yeah yeah <laughs> we uh we're putting them together again uh getting back into the uh the routine here it's uh feeling good so and we're here to talk about movies as we always do this week we're sponsored by arrow video and we're talking Samo hung's warriors 2 uh from what is that 78 yeah, the great so, year of 1978. There we go. Doing 78. So back into the world of martial arts. Uh, we'll talk about that and the cast and crew and everybody involved in Warriors 2 here in just a little bit. Right now, we got, uh, well, we don't really have any feedback, so to say. We got some this or that's we'll get to and stuff. And here's the thing. This is going to be a very short intro this week because I have not watched anything else. <laughs> So, yes. so it's all on your shoulders. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. I'll make it brief. Yeah. Nonetheless. Yeah. Nonetheless. So this, so this will be a, maybe a little bit shorter an episode than we normally do, but uh, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, we're doing what we can here, folks. So I'm going to talk about two things only today okay. in the interest of time and in the interest of, I, I have a suspicion you and I might run a little bit on the first thing I watched. So first thing I watched, I saw last Friday at the theater uh, with uh, our youngest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what this is already. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, we were going to go to our th- local theme park, but it literally just, the skies opened up and it started pouring. So I didn't feel like going in the rain. So I said, hey, man, you want to go see Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? And he's like, yep. So we went. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this sounds ominous already. Yeah. And... Um, I saw <laughs> Ice Cream Buffet, the movie. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be very honest with you. You and I are always in lockstep, it seems. For the most so, part, yes. I mean, there, yeah, there's, there's the, the yeah, there's the occasional one. I, bet the, the, I think the only one I've ever really felt truly 
we differ completely on is probably Scott Pilgrim. That's the one that, yeah. If there's a diverse film, if, if there's a film that divides us in any way, it's that one. Yeah, yeah. And again, I don't love it as much as I did when I saw it that year. It would never be my number one of the year anymore. But but, but I do quite love it. I did rewatch it a couple years ago with uh, with Bub, and and I did quite enjoy it again. It was still very fun. Mm-hmm. But um, I have to be honest. I loved the first uh, Miles Morales Spider Man film. I did. As, I did as well, for the record. Man, so good. And when you were talking about this last week, I got to be honest. Part of me was like, man, is he being a fuddy duddy here? <laughs> What's going on, man? Well, I felt like a fuddy-duddy talking about it. I did, man. I felt like a fuddy-duddy. I felt like I was like alone on an island. Listen, in the words of a singer who shall not be named, you are not alone. <laughs> I'm with you on this yeah, one. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I do not get the uh, fuss over this. Yeah. I love, man, I want to love this. I love what it does. I love that it's got a diverse cast. I love... Um, I, I love people of color and I love, uh, you know, there's a trans flag. I love all those little things that are inclusive. I do love those things. And I love the animation style and I love the diversity in a, animation styles. But what I don't love is having a two and a half hour runtime and feeling like you're just whizzing around, around, telling Elmer Fudd, <laughs> you're whizzing around perpetually never stopping to breathe or give your characters any real heart or substance. Yeah. The parents felt lazy. Like, you know what the parents felt like, man? The parents felt like a wacky TGI Fridays uh, yeah. set of parents. I, I felt the same way. I felt the same way. I felt like they were just there for like window dressing. And the parents are actually two of the best characters in the films. It's it's so brutal. Like I okay, like I kind of like the stuff with Peter and and the daughter. It, it's obvious but cute. Um, it's such a weird heel turn from the Oscar. Oh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but I don't think it's really a spoiler. But I mean, you kind of sense it coming. There's just a weird turn from the one character in this. Um, I think they they write themselves into a silly corner with the Gwen character at times before trying to redeem it. Mm-hmm. I just have to be honest. I feel like. As much as I love the animation style, styles, yeah. this just feels like Ice Cream Buffet, the movie. Like, I don't – give me some substance, man. Give me some broccoli sautéed with garlic. Like, give me some other textures here because this film is so empty to me. And I, and I hate to say this. Like, it almost makes me angry that this thing – this is really the highest rated movie on Letterboxd of all time. Yeah. I know. It's uh, it's disappointing. And not only that, I I think it's for me, and I may have said this when I talked about it. I mean, the ending is almost like a slap in the face. Oh man! It, it, listen, it's an people, insult almost. Yes, people can love what they love, and we we of all people will never begrudge anyone for loving what they love. We've had people try to be snide and and pretentious about oh you like uh, you know you like this. Uh. <laughs> It's like, no, man, buzz off. People can like um, whatever they like. Yeah, if sure. They them, they're sure. welcome. But, oh, yeah. But this to me, for people to say it's the the greatest film, I really, like, this isn't even, for me, this would, like, I, I teach their own again. But I, I just, I was really disappointed with this one. I felt like it just, it's like that thing we always talk about, the, the, the Easter bunny. This is like a chocolate Easter bunny. Hollow on the inside, lots of, like, 
icing and and things on the outside adornment on the outside yeah i mean that so what i came away from when i watched it is yes visually is it amazing it is it really yes. is uh the vulture fight is amazing the the oh, colors yeah. that are used the spider gwen stuff visually is amazing and the way they kind of changed the visuals for characters like the the uh the spider-man 2099 stuff the oscar isaac character the way they kind of change things, and even the spider world itself. I like the jokes. I got them. I thought it was funny. Uh, but the movie just, it never felt like it stopped and had enough moments, like the moment between Gwen and her dad, or between Miles and his mother in the kind of tower. It never really stopped and kind of processed anything. It just kind of kept moving at a pace that, I don't know, Just it, it just felt unhealthy. It felt like it was just kind of hitting you over the head with stuff the entire time. And I just, I, I just lost interest. I eventually got to a point where I was like, okay, just get me to the next plot point And when is that going to happen? And yeah. I, I just never really cared about anything. No. And I like miles Morales. I like him a lot as a spider. Miles Morales as a character. Yeah. And I love and, Gwen. I just, I didn't care about anyone. I, I cared about miles in this. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I really didn't care about anyone else. I felt like everyone else was done a huge disservice the parents were done a disservice. Gwen, the other Spider-Man. I mean, Peter was, you know, had a few moments, but by and large, it just felt like let's just get to the next uh, animation sequence. Yeah, it just felt like uh, too much of a good thing, and, yes, and uh, not enough focus. Not enough focus would be the right word. I would very say. unfocused. Yeah, and I, and I don't care if we. I'll listen. I'll die on this hill. I will. I'll always say, people, if you love it, good for you. But I'll die. No one will ever convince me otherwise of this. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, again, that runtime too is brutal. I, I don't. I, there's there's just so much wasted time in there. Uh, even my almost thirteen year old son felt like this one moved around too quickly. Yeah. He yeah. and he is and listen. This you know what this is. This is made for the TikTok generation. That's what it feels like. It really yeah, does. It feels scroll, like it's scroll, you know scroll scroll. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like it's you know click and move on and. Uh, you know, again, don't want to sound like a fuddy-duddy, and I know that's what we sound like here. We sound like two middle-aged men who went and saw an animated movie. Yeah. But the first one had so much heart. Yes, and it breathed. And I was so excited about this one because I thought they really nailed the heart of the young kid uh, dealing with change, almost like yeah. a uh, a puberty type thing, which is what Spider-Man's kind of that that's kind of the mo the kind of motif of Spider-Man, right? Yeah. And this one is just I think for me again, the film was fun. I could I I don't know if I'd ever watch it again, but same. It, I didn't hate it. And again, yeah. I don't want to begrudge anyone. Like you're not wrong if you think it's the greatest thing ever. You're not wrong, I no, guess, if that's no. for you moves you that way, but it just seems disproportionate the amount of acclaim it's gotten for me yeah. versus I saw on screen. Too much style, like I said, uh, too much yeah. style, not enough substance. And, yep. the, and the best moments in the film, really, for me, are the moments when the characters stop and actually talk to each other and talk about their emotions and feelings. The scene where Gwen is sitting upside down. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. cool. There's so yeah. many like really good moments in there, but it's just too much of the other stuff. And uh, I don't know. It it just feels like it needs a really strong edit. Like It feels like it really needs a really strong focus. It's a shrewd editor. And I don't know how animated films work. I don't know how... You know, do they render these things and spend all the money? And they're like, well, we got to put this stuff in here because we spent all this money to cut it and it would suck. And we spent all this labor to cut it would suck. 
So I don't want to, you know, say anything bad about it that way. But no. Yeah. And again, like all the flowers to all the the team that worked on this film from a, an artistic or technical standpoint, because it is a marvel, no pun intended, in that sense. Oh yeah, no, it's it it's one of the best looking things I've ever seen. So it's really it's really a tough thing to talk about. It just, I I, I think your Easter Bunny chocolate Easter Bunny, the hollow Easter Bunnies, is a good analogy uh, because. Yeah. You know, you're a kid, you get the hollow Easter bunny, you're like, oh man, this is amazing. And then you bite into it and you're like, well, this isn't as much chocolate. And so then you start asking for the solid Easter bunnies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you're like, wow, this is too much chocolate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm glad, I'm not glad that you felt the same way, but you know, I, I am happy that uh, I'm not the only one that saw it that way. Not at all, man. Cause I did, I do, you know, you know, sometimes you do feel like you're, you know, you got to be strong in your beliefs on what's right and what's wrong and in life and stuff. And movies are definitely not a what's right, what's wrong thing. They're very subjective. Absolutely. And, and if somebody loves it, that I'm happy for them. I really am. Same thing like with Scott Pilgrim and you, I'm happy that you loved it, but this one, yeah, this one was just, it, it just wasn't for me. Our good friend, Troy and them, I, they loved it. I think uh, Troy did. I know Troy did. He he loved it. He says the best film he's seen this year. So, but again, I I just don't see it. So, no. And yeah, listen. If this is the film that that, that starts a lifelong journey and love of film, awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I agree. These films can be many things to many people, but I just yeah, for me, it just this unfortunately wasn't it. But that's how it goes. Yep. So, the only thing I'm going to talk about is American Pie. <laughs> did oh, a wow. lot. Wow, that's a <laughs> wow. That's a couldn't be more different than the other thing. Yeah, teens and discovery and and web slinging of a different kind. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> uh. relationships with parents, I guess. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, there is a really good relationship in that film. I mean, as as much as I'm sure we're going to talk about right now, the the way the film is aged, the Eugene yeah. Levy Jason Biggs relationship is amazing. It's heartfelt. It's amazing. It's it's one of the, it's one of the great father son uh, relationships in a movie. Seriously, yeah. it's it's really good, man. It's really good. So rewatching this, obviously the sexual politics have not aged well. No, <laughs> in any regard. <laughs> in any regard, the mere premise of the film, it, it you know it just yeah. But um, some takeaways. So Natasha Leone's awesome in it. Yeah, she's probably the best thing in the film. Hmm. Her and, um, oh, goodness. Uh, I don't want to do her dirty and not see her name. <sighs> Stifler's mom, fuck. <laughs> oh, Jennifer. Um, Jennifer. What's her? Is it, is it Coolidge? Coolidge. It is Coolidge. Yes. So she's she's great as always. And she's great in the role. Like, she really gets it. But, but even, um, and I find these are all supporting roles, ironically. But even um, I'm gonna fuck it up again. Not enough coffee this morning. <laughs> End camp. Buffy the Vampire oh, Slayer. Oh, Allison Hannigan. Allison Hannigan. Three supporting roles. Three of the the like more fun, knowing performances. Um, Stifler. Just Sean William Scott. Despite his him being maybe the one that would age the most poor in some ways, it's he still comes out comical and like do you know what i mean like he's yeah. still yeah yeah i mean the character's so dumb it's so dumb that yeah he almost yeah so but some of their stuff's real stiff and sean william scott he can really i mean 
this is not an insult. I mean, he can really play that character to the hilt. Like he's really, really good at that. He's fantastic in it. He's fantastic in it. It's odd that uh, some of the other leads, you know, weren't very good. Uh, Chris Cl- Chris Klein, he has Street Fighter fame. Um, <laughs> he's fine in the role, I guess. He had a look. Um, what's weird here is Mina Suvari, who I think is a decent actress, is is really really wooden in this. Um, but anyway, that's yeah, probably- which is crazy because I, I agree with you. I think she actually is a really good actress as well. An actress, right? Uh, Allison Handy. I can't remember. Dude. Can't believe I didn't remember her name. Um, but yeah, listen, by and large, it's not aged overly well. It's still funny in spots for me. It's a great little time capsule. I grew up and went to high school in the nineties. So it's, it's, um, it's interesting. I, I should say this. I watched it with my older son. To oh, be okay. honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought it would be interesting for him to see some of the, the stuff. We had, of course, a long discussion about how things have not aged well. <laughs> We're in a better place, thankfully. Um, he quite enjoyed it though. Um, but he's a good boy. We he left somewhere last night, an event he'd been doing all week, and the first thing the people running it did was came over and said what a wonderful son we had. So that's nice. I guess watching American Pie now and then didn't ruin his sterling reputation. Well, I mean, yeah, as a parent, that's that's some of the best uh that's some of the best compliments you can get, right? Is when somebody oh. else tells you what a wonderful child you have. Yeah, yeah. They came over, they they rushed over and they're like, I just want to tell you what a wonderful son you have. Yeah, wow. that makes you feel Thank really good. Yep. Uh, so we're we're partial to them ourselves. So <laughs> yeah, I would hope yeah. so. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but uh, yeah, Natasha Leone, man, shame she wasn't bigger. I, I think maybe in the seventies she might have been. You know, she was cool in this. She yeah. Was my big takeaway, like I almost forgot she was in it when I was rewatching. I'm like, oh yeah, she's in it. I got to be honest with you. Hearing you talk about it, I forgot she was in it, and I forgot Mina Savari was in it. Savari was in it. Yeah, I forgot they were both in it. Yeah, Leon. I didn't forget about Savari because she's got that like choir angle with Chris Klein. Yeah, no, I still um, forgot. <laughs> but Natasha Leone is like the like the cool kind of below the radar girl that gives them all tips, and yeah, she's you know just kind of the more worldly girl in the film. And uh-huh. I just watching it, she's got this great charisma, and I, yeah, I just I wish she had have been able to stretch her legs more. Did you ever see that one? She did was it Russian Doll? Uh, it was a TV show, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was on Netflix. Yeah, there was another TV show she did recently for Peacock with Ryan Johnson called Poker Face that I was going to check out, too. She's got a great delivery, and she does feel like a 70s actress. Yeah, she does. She's very unique. I think that's the thing that I always think about when I think of Natasha Lyonne. She's attractive in her own unique way. She's got this raspy voice, and she's got a real charisma that's that's real natural. She's a unique actress, definitely unique. She has almost like daughter of Kathleen Turner vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when I think of her, I just think there's nobody else like her. Now, well, there's nobody else like her right now. No, no. So I might, I don't know. Teresa and I were going to watch Russian Doll. Maybe we'll check with that poker face one if it if yeah. it sounds appealing. I've heard it's pretty good. It's a Ryan Johnson thing. I think he did all the episodes of it too. So oh, I like Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Yep. So I just so. haven't got around to it. You know, so much stuff, so little time. We say it Ooh. all the time. Not the Russell Crowe directed effort. Clearly, that one's not fared well on from a critical standpoint. No, no, that one has not. Yikes! Yeah, yikes! That one's got that one's gotten beat up. <laughs> oh, yeah, good lord! <laughs> Everyone has a limits the tagline. Ironically, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, God bless him for trying. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. All right, yeah, I don't have anything. I, uh, not even television. I've just uh, I've been so busy and everything and just have not had an opportunity to watch much. And, again, with all the stuff I'm going through kind of personally right now, it, there's there's some 
there's some disinterest in my love of my passions and hobbies right now, but uh, you know, it'll, it'll come back. It'll come back. Oh yeah. It'll come back. It always comes back. Baby come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I feel like right now. I'm like yearning. I'm like reaching through for Blu-rays. Baby come back. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I, again, I said, you know, too little, too little time, not enough time, but uh, you know, you do know what time it is though, right? What time is it, my friend? It's time for this or that. Just diving right in this week. Just just diving right into it. Yeah. No no wasting time trying to come up with something fancy. <laughs> just got got right into it. So we got some from uh, our friend Chris. He's got a couple here. And then uh, I guess we can do a couple more if you got a couple. Sure. Yeah, I do. Um, but uh, let's, he's got a couple of director this or that. Um, if you guys remember last week, Chris uh, asked us about runtime being an important part of picking films for the show. And this week he's, uh, well, I saved these this or that's for this week. So here we go. Wow. Where's that coming from? Is that your computer or my computer? My phone. <laughs> wow, that really came through. Right. Yeah, yikes! That came through big time. We got a message. Uh, no, um, these are these are pretty good, and I guarantee you they're going to be tougher than we want them to be. <laughs> Even though we have had a cup of coffee or two already this morning. Yes. Here we go. Anthony Mann or Michael Mann? Battle of the Mans. Battle of the Mans. This is a man's world. Uh, I, I know where I fall on this one. I'm curious where you fall on this one. So I hate to be, I hate to just, Anthony Mann's great. Yep. He is great. He's a great filmmaker. Um, but Michael Mann has made a few <laughs> films that I adore. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and listen, comfort food wise, Michael Mann's in that 70s, 80s aesthetic wheelhouse that I really love. It's just funny. It's just so funny because I was just talking about Anthony Mann last night with a buddy of mine talking about The Naked Spur. Oh, yeah, really? Cool. Yeah, and then here I am having to critically gauge him. Um, I like, you know, a handful of the films I've seen of his, Winchester 73 and Naked Spur and maybe a couple others, but I got to go Michael, man, just because Thief to me is, Thief is Thief, man. Yeah, no, no that, that's, a, that's a valid one. I mean, you know, some people would say Heat as well, and there's some great Michael Mann films. I mean, I, I still like Collateral a lot, one that I think doesn't get talked about enough now because, yeah. you know, Tom Cruise is... A little wacky and stuff, but I still think he did a really good job with that film. Mm-hmm. I love Michael Mann, I do. But <laughs> to play the contrarian, I knew this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I am going to pick Anthony Mann here because because I honestly do believe Anthony Mann is one of the great directors of the fifties western and the kind of fifties sixties kind of epic. Um, he really did a great job with those, but I love those westerns. Ten Star. Uh, Last Frontier, Man from Laramie. There's some really great westerns. The Far Country, like you said, Naked Spur. Um, the Furies is a great one. If you haven't, if nobody's ever seen the 1950s, The Furies, you got to see The Furies. It's great. Uh, just some great films in there, and a great studio director at the time when uh, you know they're, they're, some studio directors uh, are able to function and bring their own style within the studio system, and he was able to do that. 
sort of infamously, you know, he was the one that was originally attached to Spartacus and then got fired on that one. And Kubrick came in and then Kubrick realized he didn't want to work for studios anymore. So, uh, man kind of stuck with it though. He did Cimarron and El Cid later, which I think Scorsese loves El Cid. I gotta be honest with you. I've never seen El Cid. Nor have I. I'm aware of it. I might have seen bits and pieces around the holidays, watching it or seeing it certain times of year, but definitely not start to finish. Yeah, it's a three-hour epic, and it's it's one that I know people talk about and stuff, but I've never seen it. I've never seen El Cid. It's one of the ones that's eluded me over the years. Classic. Yeah, I mean, Charlton Heston, Sophia Loren. I mean, it's one. It's it's like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, how have I not seen it? No, of course. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. It's just one of those ones that's eluded me forever. And even, uh, you know, you know, I take uh, Scorsese's word as religion sometimes when it comes to loving films, right? So mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised I've never sat down and watched it. Maybe I'll make that a thing. But, uh, yeah, I'll take Anthony Mann. No slight against the great Michael Mann. I do enjoy Michael Mann films. Another director who's getting up there in age, quite honestly. And uh, I'm always looking forward to, you know, his next piece. I really am. I don't know what he's up to now, but, but remember when we revisited Miami Vice? I think Kelly wanted us to cover that, and we both really ended up liking that, I think, on a rewatch. Yeah, it was good. And I think we were really kind of surprised, I think, because most of us both of us may have seen it before, and I think we were kind of yeah. underwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. And then we went back and looked at it with more of a critical eye, and we were kind of like, hey, you know what? This is actually pretty damn solid. Yep. No, it was a solid film for sure. Yeah, great crime filmmaker, right? Just a, you know, really good at that. And Thief, yeah, Thief's an all-timer. Totally agree with you. That's an all-timer. That's a if 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 you had to have one film on your filmography, that's that's a great one to have on there. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. All right, do you want to read the next one or you want me to read it too? Yeah, happy to read it. Uh, <laughs> so um, This one may be even tougher than the last one. I think so, but I still know which way I'm going. Okay. I think I know which way I'm going to. F.W. Murnau. Oh, he threw it through in a caveat here. A little bit of a wrinkle. <laughs> or Silent Era Fritz Lang. Uh-huh. See? See? See See what he did to you there? Is I think, yeah, I think I knew, I think I knew where you were going. Yeah. And then he threw in the Silent Era. <laughs> he threw in that qualifier, and I think that changes things for me. So if it was just filmography i gotta go with fritzy baby yeah um you know you and i did m and i just i think about that film as such a technical marvel and and uh just laying the train tracks stylistically and technically just i can't even comprehend it Um, yeah the movement of a camera uh in a time when people didn't move cameras it's just amazing voiceover work right i think it was one of the first talkies it was his first talkie i think so obviously so but when you add it in okay qualifier is silent well even still man no i'm still going i'm still gonna go okay with fritzy because i think it comes down to what like nosferatu versus metropolis basically uh essentially yeah i mean essentially i would say if 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 on the surface you'd have to go yeah that would be the two That'd be the big two, at least, right? I mean, you could dig deeper and uh, certainly, right? Faust. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to go. Oh, man. I, I have to be forthright, too, in saying a lot of Murnau's celebrated silent works I haven't seen, right? Like Last Laugh, et cetera. I think, it, I think it really does come down to your love of Nosferatu or your love of Metropolis. Which one kind of blows you away more? For me, it's Metropolis. Okay. For you... 
For me, it's Nosferatu. I had a hunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not, not just a hunchback. Uh, no, it really is. I mean, um, Murnau's, uh, that film is maybe, I don't know, between that and Caligari, which that's, uh, is that is that Murnau? That's not Murnau, is it? Who, who did Caligari? Do we remember? Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Oh, without the internet. Yeah, what will we be without the internet nowadays? But Nosferatu might be the most, I think, as far as a genre-inspiring film, I think it might be, well, you know what? Metropolis is too, though. You know, I mean, those two films, man, those are two of the most influential films ever made. Of all time, of all time, all time. You talk about the history of film, when they do those little snippets, those two films are always featured. It was Robert Ween. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah, we, like, no, Vidi, Vidi, Vede, Vid, I don't know. <laughs> he was German, so it was probably Polish, yeah. So that that's uh, that, that's a hugely influential one, too. I he mean, also did The Hands of Orlock. Like, yeah. He did some some heavy hitters, too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I can't, remember, I can't remember who did Vampire. Did, who did Vampire? Theodore Dreyer. Dreyer. God, Dreyer did that. Yeah. So these, these German guys... I mean, we've talked about this before in the past, and we did with the Ilm and and some other stuff. And Todd and I did a, a Fritz Lang a few years ago called Scarlet Street, which is a very underrated um, film noir with uh, Edward G. Robinson uh, that people should definitely check out. It's great. But um, you know, staying in the silent world, I'm going to go with Nosferatu just because I like Nosferatu more than Metropolis. But neither one of them uh, are bad. I mean, they're they're amazing films. Uh, masterpieces uh, it's just it's amazing to me what they were able to pull off it really is i mean i I just i look at those things and i'm just blown away and then like you say you know you start to get it fritz lang overall is is definitely the better filmmaker he was able to come like verhoven he was able to come to the states and work and made some great films the big heat scarlet street like i said um ministry of fear some just some great films um and was able to work over here for a while um, the thousand eyes of Dr. Mabusi. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Murnau, I don't think he ever made, I don't, did he ever make it over here? I don't even know if he ever made it over here. I don't know that he did. Yeah. I don't know if he ever made it over here. I know one of his last films was taboo. The a story of the South seas. Uh, that's a South Pacific film, which I think I've seen. I don't know that I have, but it's, it's, um, yeah, I don't think he ever made it over. Not that I know of. Yeah, the phone just told me he never made it over. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Nosferatu. I'm gonna go. So I'm gonna go Murnau. Nice. Yeah. Some of these guys, you know, I mean these these early guys. I mean, obviously they had problems. You know, you talk about D.W. Griffith and these folks, Todd Browning. You know, they they had problems. Uh, they were old school guys, and uh, there definitely was some some issues, right? So it's easy to kind of go back and look at those and, um, you know, and say that these guys were kind of rough. But again, times were different. Um, so Times were different. Yeah. I can't remember how Murnau, how did Murnau die? Did he die? He died well, I, young. I, I looked that up. Yeah, he died young. I can't, oh, it was a car accident. Yeah, he died in a car accident, so. Uh, I feel like Fritz Lang had a car accident too. These guys all had car accidents back in the way. Todd Browning had a car accident. Good Lord. It was the early days of cars. 
<laughs> yes, it was, man. Well, what's his and name? Driving for yeah. that, Matt. John Houston had a bad car accident, if you remember. Uh, a lot of these guys have bad car accidents. Probably, I bet a bit of alcohol and car operation going on at the same time. I'm, I'm going to say I, that. There's so, a distinct probability of that. Yes. All right. So you got you got a couple more you want to throw out? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got a this, that, or the other for you. Oh, boy. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Bonnie and Clyde, or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Jesus. So this is this is interesting um, because this this is going to come down to the age I am. So this is going to be this is this is the approach I'm going to take, <laughs> and it, it really honestly it has a lot to do with age for me. Uh, first and foremost, Bonnie and Clyde was one of the three. That was the first one I saw. Okay. I saw it. I saw it on TV with my parents. And they explained to me the scene at the end, but I was completely fascinated by the scene at the end, uh, obviously because I was a child, and also because of the way it's set up with the silence and everything else. And it's like, you know, you know something bad's going to happen. You don't know how. You don't know when. And then you see it, and you're like, whoa, that was that was a profound experience. Um, I didn't really understand the sexuality of Bonnie and Clyde at a young age. But that would be the first one that I would think, oh, yeah, that, that would be the one. And then I think about Butch Cassidy, which is a film that I personally love. But I love it because it's about the chemistry between two great Hollywood leading men. Yes. Uh, I know that it's flawed in some of its filmmaking. But Paul Newman and Robert Redford are so good together in that movie that it it, it, it overshadows any faults the film has if, for me. Because they're just so perfect together. But as I've gotten older, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid is the one I love. Oh, man. And it's because that movie is incredibly flawed. and But it's, a, it's about man's relationship with man mm-hmm. and how complicated that is and how mm-hmm. violence takes place. And it's misguided. It feels soaked in alcohol, which it probably was, yep. and cocaine and God knows what else. And it feels broken in so many places and stuff, but it has some moments of absolute beauty in it. It does. And as I've gotten older, I've come to really love the kind of chivalry and lack of chivalry of Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. And uh, the kind of the religious iconography of it, the disdain of characters, the the amazing way that Peckinball could bring truly terrible characters to screen and you would fall in love with them. Uh, it's just become one that I've come to cherish. And uh, that's saying a lot because when I first saw it, when I was younger, I thought it was a total, I told I thought it was a total mess, but as time has gone on, it's aged really well with me. So I'm going to go Pat Barrett, Pat Barrett, Pat Garrett and Billy the kid. Very nice. Very well said. Yeah. Very well said. I will cut to the chase. I think all three are great for the reasons you said, mm-hmm. but uh, for the and in saying that, I also agree with you. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid to me, uh, it, in addition to everything else that it has going for it. When I, I was just talking about this on my way up to Philadelphia, one of my favorite scenes, one of the moments of most pure cinema for me. One of the most moving, profound sequences in film 
that I've ever seen, and I, I, I it almost brings me to tears just thinking about it, is when knocking on heaven, heaven's door is playing. Mm-hmm. And the guy's about to leave, his wife, he's given up that life, um, and he has to go, and just the look he gives her, the camera's on him, he's looking into the camera, uh, it's early in the morning. It just it's 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 just a beautiful moment, man. Like a heartbreaking moment. It, pure cinema. Um, I love all three films, like you said, for the reasons you do. But Packard and the Kid to me is is an all timer. So for me, I mean, they all are, but that one is is just a little cut above for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all three are great. <clears throat> Absolutely great, great American movies. More annoying sleaze bag. <laughs> Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Or uh, Styles, aka Dick Nose T-shirt from Teen Wolf. <laughs> well, this is easy for me. I, so you know, it's not going to win me any popularity contest. I like these characters because they're 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 annoying sleaze bags. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for the main reason they are. But here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing, and this is applying logic to an illogical situation. I realize that. Yes. Styles doesn't sleep with his dude's girl crush. He doesn't try to sleep with Boof or the other girl. No, you're right, man. Damone sleeps with Jennifer Jason Lee. And that yeah. that's a bad move amongst friends. That's the that's the one you don't do, man. That that's a that's taboo right there. That's a bad move. And uh I I think the Damone character is interesting because I think he has some regrets and I think that that movie's deeper than, and it, it allows the Damone character to have at least some kind of closure. Yeah. But that's just a, that's just a foul move. That's just a it's foul the move. Foulest move. Yeah. Whereas styles is just, he's just a, he's just a idiot. Just a hanger on. Yeah. But, uh, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go styles on this one because he at least has that chivalrous nature. To use that word again, he at least has the nature to know that he is the best friend, and he he makes some mistakes, but he knows that he knows where he stands. Whereas Damone crosses the line, baby. Damone's a proper sleazebag. <laughs> truly is. I mean, he truly is. I mean, or at least or at least did something very sleazy. Yeah, I mean, technically, as a high school kid and everything else, you know, he took an opportunity. Yeah, and he learned, he learned from it. I yeah. think he learned. From it. But it's just a. It it just makes you, it's just it it's just a sleazy move. It's just a bad move. That, that it's the worst move. Yeah, it's just it's just not a move you do. It's it's just it's just not what you do. It's the worst move, especially when your friend Rat is in love with that character. Oh yeah, and he's That's- his best friend. It's just it's it's taking advantage of a bad situation. And Damone was kind of like his counsel. Like he felt like the older friend that was like, you know, like the big brother almost. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, she's turned on by the, you know, that you could get it. Uh, yeah, we we never we have never reviewed Fast Times. We probably should at some point. That's a great American film, but but we you know she's turned on by the all knowingness of Damone. Like he seems like this worldly, yeah. He seems more. He seems beyond his years, right? And if you remember, she's attracted to older men anyway. That one gentleman basically rapes her in a dugout at the beach. Jesus, yeah. yeah. So she's turned on by older men anyway. So Damone is in her age group, but he feels like an older man. She's still overlooking Rat because she thinks he's it's still a child. So, yeah. again, there's a whole thing there with Jennifer Jason Lee's character, which is actually quite well-developed. 
Um, but, uh, you know, not to review Fast Times at Ridgemont High here, but yeah, we, we probably should cover that. That'd be fun. It'd be fun to do a month of 80s high school comedies. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That'd be fun to do. I agree it would. So, man, I, I don't like to do this. I really don't. <laughs> and I'm not applying any logic here, <laughs> ethically or in any which way. But for some reason, Styles has always fucking bothered me so much. <laughs> well, he is obnoxious. I mean, he oh, really is. Man. And I cannot justify anything that Damone does. <laughs> yeah. He is a dirtbag in a moment. No, not to say he's a perpetual dirtbag. Like you said, he learns from it. He grows from it. Mm-hmm. But my heart, no, my brain <laughs> will not let me pick Styles here. Yeah, yeah. Got to get the moan, man. I know he made a he made the worst, almost unforgivable mistake. I fucking hate Styles, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it though. I love it. I mean, I mean, they, those characters you're supposed to love or hate. I mean, that, that's what those every '80s teen comedy had that character. Yeah, they did. They did. They or did. even but, even the slashers had those characters, right? Shout out Boof, man. Oh, Bad Boof, name, Boof. good girl. Oh, yeah, great girl. Yeah, I always love Boof. Yeah, Boof is great, man. On on all time kind of like it's it's a good thing the old Teen Wolf, you know. He, uh, <laughs> yeah. He bet the right horse in the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic film. Classic B film. Really is. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that would be fun to do sometime, uh, you know. Yeah, just yeah. to kind of get out of our kind of get out of our uh, comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, it's fun to do those kind of things sometimes. I mean, that was a genre. That was a huge genre in the early '80s. I mean, it was it was huge. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll save the rest just because we're we're running long here, um, and I need to save some for for next week. We'll do that. All right, we're gonna take a short break. Thank you, also, Chris, for the uh, the. Uh, Thank this you. or that's yeah tough this or that's appreciate it yeah man people bringing the thunder with a this or that's making it tough on us um we'll, we'll take a short break we'll come back and talk samuel hung's warriors 2 we'll be back right after this That'll be stuck in your heads all day, probably. <laughs> great, great, great classic 80s tune. Can we say kicking at the walls of heartache? Bang, bang. <laughs> they are the Warriors? They are the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, they are. All right, so here we are, Warriors 2. One that I've kind of wanted to talk about for a long time, so I was really kind of glad that uh, Arrow put this out. Uh, directed by Samuel Hung, Samuel Cambo Hung, as we know. Original title, here we go. Zanxian Xing Yu Zhao Qin Hua. Got it. Got 
<laughs> That's as close as it's going to get. Anyway, uh, a young man learns martial arts and sets out to avenge his mother's murder. So a very basic plot synopsis, but what should be known about this film is it's very much about uh, the Wing Chun uh, form of Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. It's very important to this film and very important to film culture as far as these films go. This one stars uh, Lung Kar Yan, who is also known as Beardy. For those who yeah. don't know, we haven't had Beardy on in a while. Since Hong Kong Godfathers, maybe? Yeah, it's been a long time. Unless he's popped up in something we didn't know about. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm used to him usually being more... So he's kind of known uh, for being a guy who... He's not a martial artist, but he's a really good uh, uh, impersonator of martial, martial arts. Which is incredible to me. Because yeah. everything he's in, um, he he just he looks the part, man. Yeah, yeah. he's good yeah he's he's really good i mean you would not know that if that that's just a piece of trivia i'm giving everybody if i never told anybody that and they came in they think man this guy was one hell of a martial artist because you you would never know it's all mimicry man yeah he's just really athletic and able to mimic the uh, styles that are taught to him he does training and stuff but he's not technically a martial artist correct uh somebody who is a martial artist and didn't work a lot and i've always kind of wondered why i don't know why he didn't but uh uh wang ho or ho wang or also known as casanova wong that's the GGTMC name right there. Yeah, it is. And I'm always stunned when I go back and look at Casanova Wong's filmography, and I don't know why he didn't work more. I don't know why he didn't. I mean, he made a, a few seminal Hong Kong films, and then you know, he's a Korean actor. Yep. And uh, then he kind of, uh, you know, he's got a look. He had great kicks, great stuff. He, was he could one of be. the all-time kickers. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I don't know why he didn't work more. I don't know if it was just maybe it wasn't his thing or whatever. Uh, we get Sammo Hung in here uh, again. We get uh, Lucio Young. We got so many people in this one. Billy Chan's in here. Billy Chan, Yun Biao. Yun Biao's in there in spots. Now, Sammo would use Yun Biao to double people a lot. Yes. Uh, because uh, that's little brother. That's what he would call him. And Yun Biao was so athletic and so amazing with his moves and stuff. A lot of times if he didn't feel somebody like Fung uh, Harkon or Harkon Fung, however you want to call him, he plays the bad guy here. If they, uh, he's got a very, a very serpent-like face, but if uh, if he if he didn't feel like they could pull it off, he would obviously shoot from behind, and he would use Yun Biao a lot to do the moves, which is something that he did quite often until Yun Biao became a star himself. Um, we should also mention a few other kind of fun character uh, uh, cult actors. Uh, Lam Ching Ying is yeah, in here. Man. I mentioned Harkon Fung, who's a if you see his face, you'll know him. I promise you. Yeah, there's so many actors in here that. Yeah, Yerk Sang's in here again. Hoi Sang Lee. Yeah. Who always shows up. Yeah. Dean Sheck. Well, you and I have joked around this morning about Dean Sheck. Uh, Dean Sheck dick joke, man. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the, the another guy that didn't work a lot, and I love his face, and I don't know why he didn't work a lot, but Tiger Yang. Yes. Uh, great face, and he's a great presence in this film. Actually, yeah. Tiger Yang is amazing in this film, and it makes me really pine for the fact that he did not work more. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why some of these guys do and don't. I mean, Tiger Yang only did 12 films. It's amazing to me. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's too bad. Yeah. It's too bad. It's, it's too bad. It's too bad. Fat Chung's in here as well. Uh, just I could We could go on for hours on the cast. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of looked upon as a seminal and super important uh, Hong Kong uh, karate kung fu film, however you want to call it, martial arts film. Um, I know you'd seen it before. I'd seen it before. 
What did you think on your revisit here? So I have to be honest, on my revisit, I kind of got lulled into thinking, you know, it's a good one, but it's very formulaic. That, that was my initial, my first blush. Yeah. Right? Like I'm watching it and thinking, yeah, you know, I get it. You know, we've seen this, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. love the cast though. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Right. But as we go on, we'll, we'll. Yeah. I have a, I have a, I have an opinion about it too. It, it's somewhere, in, it's somewhere in that similar vein. But. <laughs> Yes, as you hear me talk about yeah. Samo, uh, Samo things. Yes, as do the cast. So mm-hmm. we'll get there. But <clears throat> so this is out on Arrow Video, and it's also on the Arrow Channel. Which, as I've said, I'm very forthright in saying I don't unfortunately buy as much physical media as I'd like to these days. Um, but uh, shout out to them, sponsored this episode. Um, but if you can get a chance to see this, these are golden days, you know, labels like arrow are doing a wonderful, wonderful job. I have to be honest, when we started this show, I never would have thought uh, films like this would ever be restored this lovingly. No, no, no way. Even, even films like vice squad. I'm stunned by these films are coming back around. But what's wild about this is I watched criterions, um, transfer not their transfer like the, the print or whatever they have of election johnny toe's election last night and um that was the tartan disc rip and i have to say it doesn't look great like it's dark whereas this film is 30 years prior to that or like the 20 something years prior to that 30 years maybe roughly uh, roughly and this looks incredible uh yeah yeah, first thing out of the gate, just want to say, wow. Uh, I had seen this before, and it had always been muddy, blurry. Um, not amazing. Pan and scan, probably, too. Uh, Shitty hard-coded subs. Yeah. You know, weren't always translated well. Yeah, in the lifetime of this show, I've probably watched it once and uh, probably watched it on a bootleg copy, and it was not great. Uh, nope. Before that, I would see it on Hong Kong theater or Kung Fu theater on cable TV. Sometimes I had some problems with it back when I was a kid that I've come to appreciate as I've gotten older, which I'll talk about when I get to my side. But yeah, just to get back to the transfer uh, and the way it looks now. And this is the same thing I just had an experience with. Uh, you got the arrow channel. So when you get a chance, watch that John Woo hand of death on there as well. I'm stunned. I'm stunned that these films look like this. I'm stunned that we're getting copies of this. A lot of people were worried that the Shaw Brothers and the Golden Harvest catalogs um, were just gone, man. Like they weren't they weren't um, restored or sorry preserved uh, as they needed to be for really great restorations. And thankfully, that's not the case. Uh, so shout out to Arrow and the team involved in in bringing this lovingly to the screen in a beautiful restored version. Yes. Fun fact with this one, Wing Chun isn't a martial art you or a form of Kung Fu that you see very often. A lot of times it tends to not look as as sort of uh, violent and cinematic mm-hmm. uh, as other artists. You know, Ip Man, of course, probably the most recent example to really really feature it. Cheng Chase and Fin Sibyl Shaolin as well did, but and I'm sure there's lots of others. But um, Sammo being Sammo, you know, we talked... I don't know if it was, I think it was on the air about like the Billy Friedkins and the Michael Manns and yeah. And all these guys, Sam was getting up there too. And yeah. Sam yeah, yeah. as much gift as anyone. Um, I, he's 
one of the gr- the best martial artists on screen we've we've had. But you know, the big takeaway for me with this film was watching it now. At this point, I'm out in my life with my education of film and and Hong Kong film, kung fu film. Is that he is probably the most selfless creator in the realm? Yeah, because yeah, he never puts himself front and center. He's directing these films. Yeah, he's making stars of other people. He's making stars of other people. He's happy to be the sidekick. He's happy to be the goofy guy. Yeah, he's happy to give everyone else the shine and kind of do his thing off on the side. He has every right and opportunity as the director and as the guy with his skill level to be front and center. And he rarely takes that. And it's a really admirable thing that in the service of creating a community where people can shine and prosper, it shows a deep love for what he does and respect for the medium and the culture um, to be as selfless and gracious as he is. And I think that's an important thing to point out. Yeah. And, you know, he's worked with every kind of iteration of Hong Kong star, right? Like he's even will take a backseat to Donnie Yen or anybody and he'll work with them. And he just, uh, he just feels like a guy who has no ego. No, no, no ego and always willing and unbeaten. In fact, with bad hair game. (laughs) Yeah. There's probably nobody that really like he, he has a lot of humility when it comes to his physical looks. And there's something about that that makes him even more um, endearing. I love Samo. Yeah, he's a big. He's he, yeah, he's a big dude. Um, obviously, you always hear the talk. Yeah, he's a big dude, but he can move around, which he can. But he is a big dude. He's not afraid to have bad facial hair, wear bu- uh, beaver teeth, as he did in the uh, the John Woo film I talked about, Hand of Death. Uh, he's not afraid to look like crap. He's not afraid to shave a bald spot on top of his head randomly. I know this, the hair in this is some of the worst hair maybe in cinema history. It is really bad. This, you know, he's had perms. He said everything. This is among the worst looks. (laughs) Somehow he finds a way to top himself. (laughs) He just an absolute virtuoso. He might be the uh, Thomas Millian of Hong Kong hair. Yeah, I think he just (laughs) might be right. It's, it's pretty incredible. But yeah, he is getting up there. And again, there is going to come a sad day when these heroes of Eastern uh, cinema, will lo- we will lose these guys. And these guys are some of the most important people in film history. Yeah, they absolutely are. And the work they put in, the achievements are second to none. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it'll be a profound loss for film, profound loss for the kind of film we love. Because um, I like to think we marry the visceral thrills with the technical and artistic merits uh, in our admiration of film as a, as a medium so or as an art. So yeah, these guys are right there, man. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've said this before, and I probably say this every time we do a Samo film, but Samo really is the Gene Kelly of Kung Fu films. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Have I said that or no? I feel like you have. I, I feel, feel like, like I must have, but every film I'm watching and I see how punishing and physical his, his work is. And it's like Gene Kelly took the, 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 the medium or the art of dance movies and made it physical and more, more masculine and just stomp and stomp and macho kind of, and Samuel does that where it just feels bruising and pounding. And it's not just these light inconsequential blows. Well, 
Semo has a reputation too behind the scenes for those who don't know. And maybe I said this during Millionaires Express, but he has a reputation for being a hard hitter. Like oh, he yeah. he wants his fight scenes and his stunt choreography to look as real as possible. And uh, he's not afraid to do the stunts himself. He does a hell of a stunt in this one where he jumps off the second floor onto a table. And it's yeah. a, it's I, I don't know if I've seen him do a lot. Of, he, I don't, he don't really typically do a lot of that kind of stuff. But man, he can move in this movie. He moves like like a gazelle. I mean, he is all over the place. But yeah, um, he does have a reputation for being a perfectionist. And uh, there 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 have been folks that have said that you know I mean, he's never been mean about it. Everybody loves working with him and stuff. But if you're going to hit Samo, he wants you to hit him. And you just got to be prepared though. He's going to hit you back. And you, Casanova Wong has talked about it and stuff and talking about you know he's great but he is he is a tough teacher because he is going to make you look great on screen but he is going to put you through the process to get you there and he does that he does that with casanova wong here yeah he totally does man um and i think i i'd set it off the air but if if anyone gets a chance to check out the film painted faces yeah you've talked about that one several times yeah yeah it's, it's about their time growing up in the the peking opera um it's it's really great, man. And he's in it. He plays the role of like the the Sifu or the father figure, which must have been an interesting thing for him to sort of play his mentor or father figure. Um, really great film. But uh, yeah, he's going to bring it and he's going to put it on screen, man. It's it's incredible and it it pays off, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it really pays off. Yeah. Um, Samo, this was kind of that 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 Asian sensibility. Not even, but that that it's this this train of thought with film where it's like, we're going to, we want to put on a show. We're going to give you a little bit of comedy, a little bit of romance, a little bit of action. Well, in this case, a lot more action, but they kind of put everything in. And, um, and speaking of putting in, someone puts in what I think are probably, I I can confidently say the worst fake teeth in the history of cinema. (laughs) Oh, in the, in the, uh, the opening, the uh, dumpling scene, the dumpling on this, is that Eric saying, is that him? Yeah. 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 He's, but those teeth are just dreadful, dude. <laughs> yeah, Samo has a thing for uh, fake teeth. He he likes to use those on not only on himself, but he likes to use those in uh, other actors as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, it's almost a. Uh, it's almost like a. Uh, he's almost playing with the Chinese stereotype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, the buck of teeth course. and stuff. If you guys go back and look at old cartoons, it's it's dreadful stuff. But if you go back and look at old cartoons and things like that, there's. The Chinaman with the buck teeth. It's pretty. It's pretty. You know. Obviously, it's yeah. It's it, it's aged badly now. But that that's the way people, sadly, in the states, kind of saw them for a long time. Yeah, really ugly uh, stereotype. Um, how about the one thing about HD man is you get to see like that the one heavy. It looks almost like um, like he looks Klingon with that heavy latex brow. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the main is it the main heavy? Yes, yeah, the main heavy. Because later on, when he does, he does praying mantis style. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, which is great. Uh, and uh, that's a uh, what's his name? Hong Fark on or something like that, or Fark Hong on or something like that. He's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah, I remember him. He was one of the uh, blind hitmen, I think, in Kung Fu Hustle with the guitars or the Chinese yeah. things. Anyway, um, he. Yeah, there, there's some there's some bad makeup in this film, but when when you get a reveal with him later, like it works great. It does work great. Yeah, it does work great. Um, we talked about Beardy. 
you know, just great. Uh, how about that little nod? I feel like Tarantino saw like there's that Kill Bill henchman death dance. Yeah. <laughs> just dropped together. It feels like Tarantino just like that took it. Um, we're used to tough tits on the show. How about tough dick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some interesting Boy, dang, man. the tough tits, tough dick combo. Yeah, there, there's some interesting things here going on. There's the I don't know what they call that style, the metal body, metal shirt, metal whatever they call that that in Hong Kong films where you know you hit somebody and they're they're so strong that they sound like iron when they're being hit. Yeah, yeah. There's that character in here. And uh, that fight's really great between him and uh, I think Casanova Wong, right? Uh, yep. That where there's some really great stuff going on there. Everybody has a style in this film and it's a really deep kung fu martial arts film. And I think you know, and I, I don't know if you feel this way, and I think you do, because we kind of talked about it right at the beginning. Going back and looking at it, at first, I thought to myself, well, what I remember I didn't like about this film is it, it felt very clinical at times. Sure, yeah. It yeah. felt very much like, I mean, because there's a training sequence. The training sequences in this film last a long time. They do. They do. But I, uh, when you add something to what you're going to say. Yeah, but when you go back and look at it now, you realize that it's, it's basically setting a language up for almost like a whole generation of Kung Fu films in a way. It is. And the other thing it does really well is there's a very clinical, practical approach to the training sequences. Like it's not just them kicking and hitting the same things over and over. It's there's this almost like a scientific approach mm -hmm. to, uh, I'll always call Brian Lung or Lung Karyan Beardy. So Beardy, you know, he's explaining these things to him almost in a scientific manner. Yeah. And, and we as the viewers now, we're understanding the why. Right. Training. Right. Which, which is great, right? Like it's, you know, at first, oh, another training, but no, it's, it's, it serves a purpose here. It does. Right? It does. It, it's really setting up the finale because it's a really simple film. It really is a film about vengeance. It is a simple film. And that's the thing on the surface. Very simple. But it's setting up that style to kind of, you know, to teach you kind of what's going to happen. And then there's a sacrifice at some point that has to be made. Uh, some father figure stuff that happens. Mm -hmm. And uh, some very poignant stuff. And then, of course, Samuel's great fight choreography. Oh, man. Uh, which really amps up everything at the end. I mean, it, it, it really does. I can see why it's considered one of the most influential Hong Kong films ever made. I guess he made this and Prodigal Son back to back, right? Which, yeah, which we've covered. Yeah. Right. So I think that these two films are considered two of the most important Hong Kong films ever made. And I think it's just because they define a generation of Hong Kong fighting style. That's, yeah, this post Shaw stuff that. It takes a lot of the principles and elevates the game and, and adds some, some context to things. Um, but it's really still creative. Like some of the stuff you don't always see is, uh, which is really cool. Like the training sequences feature, what I can only really describe as like, if you've seen Jamiroquai's virtual insanity video. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Sam will put Jamiroquai on sliding furniture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really put those two together, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Pretty amazing. It's amazing stealing. How about how about monkey stealing peach? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, and how about olive pits as training instruments? Amazing. Steve loves olives. Man, he must because that's a lot of olive pits. 
That's a lot of clean olive pits. All the flesh is off those olives, man. He's eating them clean. <laughs> yeah. Clean, clean, clean. Um, and I love the way that sets up. That's, uh, that sets up the the uh, spear or the stick or the crane or the cane type of fighting. Yeah. So when you do see him hit somebody on the foot with that stick, you think about the olive pit. You do, and that's the thing. Everything is done in service of 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 sort of like the whole package and where it ends up right it it really it pays off um but there's just yeah there's a right there's a bear trap you know oh man this movie gets quite graphic at, at some point it's quite violent actually violent the back 30 is very very good so even if you're kind of picking up we're putting down but it feels a little dry because it does do that hong kong thing where the first 65 minutes or so there's some training there's a couple fights it has lulls mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But stick around for the big finish because the last 25 minutes or so really deliver some great choreography. Oh, man. Again, all the characters are given chances to shine. Um, Maybe Casanova Wong's shining moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't love Dean Sheck as his <laughs> final boss. Yeah, um, yeah. He, well, he, him and Samo end up with a great scene where they're doing the kind of that Peking opera kind of barrel rolling yeah. body stuff. It, it is it is great, but there's a really wild like reveal with a I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, like a double kind of. Yeah, there's some wild shit. Ah! Yeah, there's some wild shit at the back end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really wild, really punishing, and the camera works great. Like it pulls in, it whips out. Um, so folks should know. I read about this film in service of doing the podcast. Yes, that's right. I sometimes do research, <laughs> and this film took twelve to fourteen months to shoot. That's a long time. Yeah, especially by Hong Kong standards. Yeah, Samo wanted to make as perfect a Hong Kong martial arts film as he can make. Yeah, and in some ways he may have succeeded. I I don't know that I can think of one that really hits all the tropes more on the nose than this one does. Yeah, it out Ironheads Ironhead Hayward. <laughs> Steeler reference. Yes, or was it a Steeler? It was a Steeler and a Charger, right? Wasn't it? No, no. Hey, his son is a Steeler. Oh yes, Cam Hayward, right? Yeah, yeah. His son and his his both of his sons are Steelers. So there you go. Yeah, but it does out Ironhead, Ironhead Hayward. Um, we get the rubby, rubby, like on an injured part. Oh yeah, yeah. You get that. Yeah, yeah. You get yeah. the you get the handprints. The handprints. Yeah, sure. lots of fun, lots of fun tropes and things, but but really well done. I'll, yeah. I'll kick it over to you, dude. Yeah, some some amazing kicks and stuff. There's a little bit of wire work going on here, not a lot, yeah. but there's a little bit going on. He does a good job of not kind of overdoing it. Uh, although I think that Casanova Wong kick at the end, I think that's all pure Casanova Wong. That's crazy. It is because he jumps about 10 feet. <laughs> yeah. And I think they did it like four or five times. Uh, from what I understand, they ended up keeping the first cut, the first take. Uh, and, uh, that actor, uh, Fung Hark or whatever his name is, uh, he, he said that he kicked him really hard. Um, and that Casanova Wong's kicks were no joke. Uh, that's what he was known for. Taekwondo mostly in, uh, his kicks. Human tornado, man. Yeah. Not, not the, uh, Rudy Ray Moore one either. No, no. He, he was really known for his kicks. And, uh, again, if you work for Samo, you, you really hit, you don't, uh, you know, you're, you're there to work and you're there to take the hits and, and you're going to, you know, he's going to protect you as much as he can, but he wants to see contact. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, something that, you know, Hong Kong films get right more than just about anything is that oh, yeah. the fighting feels more real, but because people are actually making contact with each other. It's uh, true. Now, 
going into this film, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to come out of it and I'm going to be like, you know, my MVT is going to end up being Samo because it's a very well-directed film or it's going to be Casanova Wong because I love Casanova Wong. Um, it didn't work a lot, but, you know, great GGTMC name. great, And there's so many great people in here. And Dean Sheck, even with, he is an annoying character here, but he's doing the cramp thing here, which is pretty funny. He gets a, his yeah. body cracked and he's like, oh, hey, uh. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Tiger Yang is great as a heavy here with his, you know, real big bushy eyebrows and his face tattoo and. Yeah, everybody's on point as they typically are in a Samo film because he kind of lives and breathes this stuff. But what I came away from watching it this time more than anything is Lung Lungkayan Brian uh, Lungkayan Beardy man Beardy. This is this might be his shine in a mo in a career of shining moments. This might be his shining moment. He is so good in this. As Mr. Sang. And he is, I mean, it, it's it's amazing how good he is. The fight in this film, the scene of this movie to me, and there's a lot of great scenes, but after he gets stabbed by the homeless character and that fight sequence in the, in the saloon is some of the best stuff I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. The stuff where he's sitting down and, you know, he's got the bear trap on his foot. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's amazing, especially when you consider that this gentleman does not know Kung Fu. <laughs> he, I know. he knows no karate. He knows no Kung Fu. He knows none of these styles. He's only being taught them for the sake of cinema. Mm -hmm. And he is so good in this movie that it, it just it blows my mind. It just blows my mind how good he is. It really does. And he's a guy, you know, he's still working, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, yeah, he's still working. He just did... Uh, Young Heroes of Chaotic Time in 2022, and he's got one coming out called Kung Fu Diva. But he's still working, and he's just one of the great Hong Kong actors that really doesn't get mentioned as much. Um, mostly again known again known for this as uh, kind of you know his trademark, his beard. Yeah, but he's he's a lot more than that. And uh, man, he is so good in this movie. Like I, I came away from it just rem just reminded how great he is. We've done, like I said, we've done Hong Kong Godfather. We've done some other stuff with him in it, and he's great. But this is really a shining moment for him. And just oh man, what a, what a character! What a character he portrays here. He is so incredible, and he has so much grace as this character. Yeah, you've seen the Sifu character so every time, right? But he elevates it and makes it. Uh, just the the grace and humility. It's like he is like the the, the perfect embodiment of the Sifu character in this. Yeah, I mean, selfless, he, grace. Yeah. He's worked in so many things and so many different styles and stuff. And he just he always works in everything he's in. I mean, he was in Dreadnought. We did Dreadnought. He was in that. He was in uh, Hong Kong Godfather, like you said. And I'm sure he's probably in something that else we covered. Profile and anger. Did we ever cover Profile and Anger? I don't know if we did. It's so good, and yeah. he's the man in it. Yeah, I don't he know if we did it up. I remember correctly. Yeah, he's made a few films himself as well. <laughs> this one he's got called Flirting Scholar. <laughs> awesome. I've seen that. It sounds familiar, but I don't know. Got Stephen Chow in it, so it's a Stephen Chow film. Oh yeah, yeah, nice. So you know so, what you're getting. Yeah, he's a comedy probably. But anyway, um, you know he's in the fight. You know, fight back to school films, and he, he just, I don't know. He he's he's always been there, and I've always appreciated him. But man, he really stands out in this movie as a star and uh he really he really came across that way but
but uh, overall, yeah, no, I love this revisit. Um, I guess as time has gone on, I really do see the influence of this film and how important it is to to Hong Kong films and and how important. Again, as I get older, the more and more I realize how important Samo is, how important these films are to our love of action movies. And uh, again, they're just they're just for Americans, they're just westerns in the eastern sense. They're it's the same as Americans have westerns. They had you know the, I call them easterns. Kung Fu films are really that. They're the same kind of genres, though. They're usually about vengeance or somebody did somebody wrong or somebody is is just a terrible person and they're going to take up for them. Or somebody's, you know, you could even say it's uh, taking over the rec center films, right? Somebody's coming in trying to take over one school and the other school has to fight back. And these films, you know, they, they mean a lot. And I'm glad that so many of them are getting saved because Hong Kong churned out thousands of films. And uh, some of them might be lost at this point i'm not sure how many might be i mean there's what would you say how many hong kong films was probably made in the 70s and 80s <laughs> thousands I, I don't know it, it just the volume was just yeah yeah i mean it was they were just cranking them out churning them out yeah and some were classic some were not but i'm glad a lot of them are getting saved and a lot of them are getting restored and uh this is one of them this is one of them i think this is a seminal film and i'm glad it uh I'm glad I got the arrow treatment. I really am. Like I, I would go so far as to say, like this is a this uh, like the Hand of Death film I watched, the John Woo uh, film. These two I watched back to back from Arrow, and like you have to own both of these. Like these are yep. ones you have to buy. They're the, yep. they're 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 classic films, and you have to see them to believe them. If you haven't seen them, you owe yourself a treat. Buy both. Trust me, you won't be let down. All right. All right, so I, I, that's really all I got. I don't have anything more to add. I've talked enough during that one. Um, let's get a make or break. MVTs, we got make or break. Obvious, but the finale, right? That's what we're here for. I feel like everything's done a pretty good job of leading us to this point. Um, but the finale is what we're here for, and it delivers the creativeness, the physicality, the diversity. It, it it's a wonderful, wonderful finale, and it's about twenty five minutes, man. It just goes, goes, goes. Uh, MVT, you know, I was going to pick Samo and Samo is always the obvious choice when he's in front of him behind the camera and how selfless and giving he is. But, uh, I'm going to give it to Beardy. Uh, I think that's where you're at Beardy just because several times when I'm, when I'm, when I was making notes and I didn't mention them for the sake of time, but, um, just how wonderfully he embodied that kind of graceful, kind, uh, fatherly kind of Sifu role, right? Just awesome. And he probably wasn't much older than the guys, if if older, than the guys he was supposed to be older than with a little bit of powder and wig and stuff. Um, yeah, and that, that scene with the, at the the tavern or whatever and the bear trap and all, it just awesome, awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. My score is a 7.75. This is uh, an excellent entry into the genre. Uh, well worth everyone's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I, I agree with you on the make or break too, although I'm, I'm only going to go a different way just because there's two great scenes in this movie. One is the finale, which is amazing. I agree with you. The other is what you just talked about, the saloon scene with the stab wounds and Beardy really really giving Beardy a, a moment to shine. And there's that great scene where he's sitting down fighting. And it's just amazing. And uh, it's just it's it's great stuff. I mean, it's up there with like Gordon Liu and some of the greats. I mean, it it that it's that good. It really is. 
Um, MVT, I'm going to give it to Beardy. Uh, Samuel makes a great film here. There's no doubt about that. Casanova Wong is amazing in the film. I think everybody's great in the movie and the roles they're asked to do. But man, Beardy, is, he really stands out in rewatching it this time. And uh, I loved his character so much, Mr. Sang. He like, he's like the Sifu of Sifus. <laughs> yeah, he is great. He's so cool under pressure. It's amazing. He is. Uh, my score is just a tad bit higher than yours. It's an 8. 7.758. It's right in there. Um, I know some have considered it one of the greatest Hong Kong films ever made. I don't know if I, you know, I haven't seen enough to know. I'd say it's a, just a notch below that, but it's, it's, it's a very, very, very good entry in the genre. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great film. So check it out. All right. That's the big show. Uh, we want to thank Arrow video. We want to thank, uh, our brothers and sister podcast. We got not a bomb, Mary clickers, watch get plus so many see here. <laughs> see here podcast. <laughs> Love that album. So many, man. Uh, Raiders of the podcast. So that's the one, the one I that keep. Raiders of the podcast. Shout out them, man. Yeah, yeah. I got to give them a shout out. I keep forgetting yep. those guys. They came came along a little later in the game, but got to give them one. Night of Living podcast. Got to give them credit too. Because oh, check out Call to Muscle back episodes. Yeah, all kinds of stuff going on out there. Podcast land. Check them all out. If we forget anybody, we apologize. Yeah, let us know we've forgotten you, so we can mention you next time. Yeah. All right. So what are we doing next week? What do you got? What do you got for me? So next week, you know, we've been fairly classy as of late, even though it's been sleazy at times. At times, yeah. It's still been classy. Oh, boy. I wonder where this but, is going. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going, we're going to take all the garbage out of the, the, the dumpster and we're going to roll around in the juices in the bottom. <laughs> in early 90s LA, we're going to have Don Stroud as a vampire <laughs> eat cornflakes out of women's skulls. We're going to have Eric Estrada and Jan Michael Vincent as priests. Oh, boy. And a psychic martial arts priest hot in his trail in the Divine Enforcer. That is, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's one. I, I I wanted to pick this so long ago, and I forgot to pick it. And the cult guys pick it, picked it. And so I sat on it, and I forgot about it. And I was literally going through my plex in between uh, recordings Say, oh, maybe, maybe I'll pick this, maybe I'll pick that. The second it popped up, I'm like, yep, we're doing the Divine Enforcer next week. That's right. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Jim Brown, listen, Jim Brown's in it. Don Stroud, Eric Estrada. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean we were picked, we were trying to figure out Jim Brown films. I, they, they crossed my, it crossed my eye line. Oh, man. But it's, it, just, it's not enough Jim Brown to make it a Jim Brown tribute. No, but also the the fact that, you know, we, we tried to, we, we basically behind the scenes we said let's go out with a more classy Jim Brown film than some of the trashy ones he made. Yes, because he made some trashy ones. I still want to do Crack House at some point. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's gonna be fun. Divine Enforcer. That'll be <laughs> what a great title. Yeah, man. <laughs> and who you know, casting Jan Michael Vincent as a priest. And Eric Estrada as a priest. Yeah, that's uh, and Don Stroud as a vampire. That's uh, yeah. I don't know what people were thinking. <laughs> So if people like Don Stroud in Cartel, <laughs> he turns it up to 11 in this one. This yeah. Makes his, his Cartel performance subtle. Yeah. If there's an actor who can uh, turn it on when he needs to turn it on, he's one. He is one. Wow. This film, I tell you. <laughs> Been a long time since I've seen this one. 
We haven't done some junk in a while, man. Yeah, you don't forget. I mean, there, you know, Scott Shaw's in this. He of uh, of Zen filmmaking fame. Zen filmmaking. Zadar's in there. Judy Landers yeah. is in there. You don't know Judy Landers. You do know Judy Landers. She's one of one of the seminal like eighties, nineties kind of bombshell actresses. So wow, this has a lot of uh, GGTMC favorites, man. It does. It does. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. Directed by one Robert Rundle, who I know from uh, Cybernator. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's on YouTube if you want to watch it. <laughs> oh, boy. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> if I remember if I remember correctly, Robert Rundle, he was an actor first. And I believe his character name in Cybernator, and I could be wrong, it was either Trapjaw, which I think is a He-Man character, or Ratchet Jaw. Is it Lockjaw in maybe Lockjaw? May it was maybe in Lockjaw, or or maybe it was maybe in the movie. It's Ratchet Jaw. Ratchet Jaw. So anyway, Cybernator. Uh, Cybernator hey. is wow. It's a piece of trash, but <laughs> piece of trash. <laughs> anyway, we uh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun to talk about. Here we go. I can hear you smiling over the airwaves, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People can probably hear me smiling over the airwaves with this one. In the world of evil, vengeance is his. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to see Jan Michael Vincent read his lines from the newspaper he's using in the scene, is it your movie? <laughs> yeah, is this is this I think this is pre this is post alcoholic Jan Vincent, but yeah. pre car wreck. Correct. I think so. Yeah. I think that's yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. So infamously he had a really bad car wreck and actually turned up to act the next day in a scene. Yeah, he was a missed opportunity, man. Great actor. Great actor. Yeah, when he was on, he was great. And then uh, then he was gone. Yeah. All right, so that'll be next week. We look forward to that. Um, we'll save all of our good material for that. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Oh, man. going to be laughing <laughs> next week, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll say uh, the famous words, which are adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com